What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike, and we are discussing a new show. We are discussing the Amazon Prime series, Wheel of Time, which is based on the best-selling novels by Robert Jordan. And I am going to admit, I don't know much about this series. I have been... um, My old mentor has been trying to push me to read them for years and I just never got around to it. And when I heard that the show was coming out, I literally stayed away from interviews, everything talking about it because I kind of wanted to experience it as a fresh, you know, fan, you know, learning about it for the first time. But this is, as Lori likes to say, this is Anthony's ish. So... We're going to let Anthony tell us a little bit about Wheel of Time and what we can expect from this series or what we might can expect from this series. So, Anthony, tell us about the Wheel of Time. Okay, this is my ear. So let me tell you everything you need to know. No, I'm, just, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Lori, 2.0. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's pulling a Lori. Oh, no. It's, we mean I, that as a compliment, Lori. We really do. <laughs> oh, I know, yes. I know, I know, I know. First, I will say that I don't know as much about this series as Lori knows about Dune. So let's just start. I mean, there. I mean, but who really does though? I mean, like, yeah, it's a tall order. Um, I I started re- I, uh, I, I fifty and I have no children. <laughs> That's my excuse. Um, I, I read these books years ago. Um, I I kind of stumbled across Eye of the World, just looking for something to read and um. I started as an audiobook, so I listened to it first before I actually read the series. Um, and it's, it's brilliant. I think it's one of the finest series works you'd ever read. Um, Robert Jordan didn't actually finish it. I think it was intended to be 12 books or 13 books. Um, Brandon Sanderson came in and used his notes to write the last book, which he turned into three books. Oh, okay. Um so the ending took three books where Robert Jordan only planned to do it in one, which um, I'm not a big Brandon Sanderson fan, but he did a pretty good job. So the Wheel of Time, we'll talk about it, but basically the wheel turns and people die, their souls go back into a wheel and they get spun back out. And that's why when you read the, the first paragraph in chapter one, the will of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age called the third age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past. A wind rose in the mountain of mist. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the will of time but it was a beginning. So the idea is that things happen over and over and over again. And this is something I think we've talked about in other works before, that things tend to repeat over and over again. And and this is so true for the will. So the creator, God, created the will, and the will is what turns out souls, and the will continues. So we are in the third age, but it's an age that has been and an age that hasn't come yet because the cycle continues. So it's basically a cycle. Okay. So a lot of this stuff has to do with rebirth, 
reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to hear about the Dragon Reborn. So the Dragon Reborn was a guy from the first age who died and they're expecting his return. And this 3,000 years later since he was alive. Okay. And, and now he has been reborn either as a male or a female. Okay. And the whole point in the beginning of the series is everyone's trying to find them. And then there are some men that claim to be the dragon reborn. We saw that in the very few first few episodes of the first, series. First few episodes, right. Um, one of the things that really drew me to this is it created my interest in magic systems. And people may have, who listen to the podcast, may have heard me talk about magic systems before. They have a very interesting magic system. There's the true source, and then there's the one power. So the true source is a different source of magic. The one power can be wielded by men and women, but they're not the same. The Sidene and Sidar, and we'll hear about that later. Um, apparently, they're not going to talk about that until we get further into the series. Okay. So in the beginning, Moraine is going to talk about when the Shaitan, basically the devil, is trying to break the wheel. Somehow he was able to influence the world. There was an argument between the Aes Sedai, the men and women, how they should take care of it. The dragon at the time, he wanted to close, he wanted to seal Shaitan away. When he took all the men to go do it, Shaitan fought back. They sealed it successfully. However, Shaitan was able to taint the men had the men side of the one power. Okay. So now men go insane when they start channeling, and we call it channeling. Back when we were watching Discovery of Witches, and you saw how they, when she was doing the their magic, and you see the threads and the the weaving, the, the stuff flying, mm-hmm. the weaving. Mm-hmm. This is very similar to what you see in the Wheel of Time. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's where she got that idea from, okay. was, was the weaving mm-hmm. of the air and spirit and fire and water uh, and earth, okay. all that stuff. Okay. So let me ask a question. So the Aes Sedai, from what I gather from the show, the Aes Sedai are all women, but you're saying that men were considered Aes Sedai as well? Is that something that they changed for the show? No. Oh, okay. Oh, that's something. Okay. Well, you did say <laughs> that anything, he said this before we started recording, he said anything that might end up being spoilery for later on, he was not going to answer any questions. So that smile not, tells it, me. It's not really a spoiler. All I said, I used to be men and women. And even okay. the Asadai symbol, which looks like yin and yang, because it mm-hmm. was the combination of the male and female side of the one power. Okay. Um, when the men went to go seal Shaitan away, he, the dark one, he tainted the male side. Mm-hmm. So all the men went crazy. Okay. So there were effectively no more Asadai, male Asadai. Okay. So now all Asadai are female. Because okay. any male they can channel goes crazy. Okay. Isn't there like a uh, a prequel that kind of goes into all that for before the first book? Was it Spring something? A new spring. Yeah. 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 
Now, yeah. here's my question, and I and because I I'm I'm currently on book two. I'm doing audiobooks. Should I go back and listen to the prequel? No, it's it's not necessary. Okay, okay. It was something that came out later, but it's not necessary. It's an interesting read. It's a good read. It gives you some good background information, more information about some of your main characters, but it's not necessary. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any more questions. Well done, sir. Well done. (laughs) Before Before we get started. Before we get started into the actual (laughs) show. Um, Let's see. No, I think all my questions can be asked as we discuss the show. So... The episode starts with our introduction to Moraine. We see her getting dressed and she starts telling this story. She says, the world is broken. Many, many years ago, men who were born with great power believed they could cage darkness itself. The arrogance, when they failed, the seas boiled, and I'm watching it in the background. Mountains were swallowed up, cities burned, and the women of the Aes Sedai were left to pick up the pieces. And this is why I asked the question about women and the women and the men because from the get-go of the show they make it seem like the women are the only Aes Sedai and they they make it seem like when men try to touch the one power when when they try to use the one power like you said they go mad but they make it seem like the men are not supposed to have the one power at all and in a way it reminded me of uh Dune which we just recently review because in Dune you know you have the Bene Gesserit who are these women witches and they're very powerful and you know we have Paul who has some of their powers and technically speaking he's not supposed to because he's male he's not supposed to be able to access that power so it kind of reminded me about that and then I thought about what Lori said about you know Dune kind of being the the forefather of a lot of fantasy as far as those types of um you know those types of um plots and story arcs and you know that sort of storytelling so that reminded me of that in this and then also as we see throughout the first episode we see that the women are really really powerful the ones who can wield the one power and then you do see men who may have tried to use the one power and like you said they've gone mad or they're close to it or it looks like the Aes Sedai are they're tracking them down because they're looking for this person who is supposed to be the dragon reborn and he's supposed to be bad like they they say he broke the world the first time he was here and with him being reborn it can go either way depending on the person that he's inhabiting like he can either break the world again or he can actually fix it okay again well well that the dragon lived three thousand years ago mm-hmm. so at present there haven't been any male Aes Sedai for three thousand years okay so all the Aes Sedai as the world knows it all Aes Sedai are women and it's always been like that mm-hmm. even though that's not the case okay um when the breaking happened, a lot of a lot of things kind of went wrong. Mm-hmm. And when they realized that the men were channeling, like Moraine said, the women had to pick up the pieces. Mm-hmm. They started hunting down all the male Aes Sedai they could find and all the male channelers and try to take care of them. Okay. And it's not something you can just make go away. So people are going to be born who can channel. Mm-hmm. 
So for the last 3,000 years, any male who could channel has been dealt with by the Aes Sedai. And they call because, that gentling, right? Yeah, either gentling or stealing. Okay. Like still, they've been gentled or skilled. That's basically them taking that power away from them. Cutting them off from the once the okay. one power. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, now here's a quick, quick question. The perceived madness that the men seem to have, is that mainly because they're untrained in the, the one power? No, it's, it's not a perceived the... madness. It's an actual madness. Okay, it's an actual like madness. Like you see in the first scene when the guy, when the male channel was running from the red Aja, he, uh, the red sister, he thought he was talking to someone. And she was like, who are you? Yeah, right. <laughs> There's no one there. Okay, <laughs> so is that the madness. curse for the men? Yes, the one power for men has been corrupted by the dark. So one. the dragon reborn is basically the one that can wield the one power. I'm just I'm just working through this. Can wield the one power and not go batshit crazy. For the purposes of this discussion, I will say that any male that can channel currently is going to go okay. mad. All right. Go ahead. Get your get your Obi-Wan Kenobi on. There, there's no way there's there's no way around <laughs> it right okay. now. So so yeah, any eat the dragon, whether it be male or female, mm-hmm. because remember they don't know who it's going right. they don't know right. who it is, whether it be male or female. If it's a male, he's gonna go mad. Okay. Okay. That 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 is going it's going to happen. That because that's just how it's okay. written. If it's a female, she's not going to go mad. Okay. Because the female side of the one power is pure. Okay. So we have another fantasy series where women are powerful. Who runs the world? I Girl. love it. Y'all, I told Hanukkah. I told Hanukkah. I said, Hanukkah is going to love this series because it's all about the I, women having power. You know, I was like, I was looking at it and I was like, okay. I can get down with this, you know. Literally, the women, the women can are in the charge. power, and the men go crazy when they try to use it. Yes, let's get into it. I mean, it's it's actually pretty refreshing to see. It's like you go into the tavern; the women are the one carousing and getting drunk, and like, and like you know, being real rowdy and shit. I'm like, that's weird, but that's actually kind of cool. I'm like, okay, I'm with this. That's pretty. That's pretty dope. Now, now there are some things, just like in um. What's the other one we're watching? Which uh, one? Curse. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one with Kez. Oh, Shadow and Bone. Shadow Bone. Shadow and Bone. There are going to be some things that you, as a woman, are going to be like, really? Yeah. And if they if they do it if they do it the right way, it'll be fine. If not, people may have issues with it. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was like, I was seeing literal like like lines that you could draw between a lot of stuff that we've already watched like mm-hmm. there are def- definite discovery which is which is lines you can draw there are definite shadow and bone lines you could draw there are even lines to the witcher that you could draw here and it's like mm-hmm. uh, game, of thrones. I have to game of thrones cursed yeah mm-hmm. like a ton it's like they have to remember that you know this is just like everything else in fantasy is drawn from authorian lore and branched out so it's like Everything has certain things that are similar, but I I was actually, I mean, you, you could like almost, you could almost handpick like the characters 
and like when the part they're playing and like you know compare and contrast and pick oh he's acting like such and such he's acting like such and such so it's kind of cool like it's because like Hanukkah I'm fresh to this too like I've never heard of it before it came out and I'm just like okay but I mean it's like it's almost like most of like fantasy is basically like when, once you figure out where what everybody's part is is basically the same it's like you know you can basically figure out who is who and, and what levels are what levels and who's going to be what as far as you go so it's like you know as we go along you're going to see lord of the rings in this because there's a character who is straight from lord of the okay. rings um george r, r. martin was inspired okay. by this as well okay. because game of thrones that actually comes from the will of time because there's a thing called the game of houses mm-hmm. which you hear about later but that is what the inspiration for the game of thrones was was a game of house i was gonna say even that whole thing about the wheel turning and the wheel being you know broken or all this it's like i was watching this and i heard daenerys targaryen because that was one of the things mm-hmm. that she always talked about was breaking the wheel you know trying to break the quote-unquote curse of her family and doing better and being better which okay we're not going to go. And, and you get the reincarnation out of there mm-hmm. too, because right. yeah, well, every, every, everything comes, <laughs> everything goes back to Lord of the Rings and yeah. King Arthur. And you're going to get that in this in, in, in a lot. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to just throw this out here because, uh, well, two things really. One is that George R. R. Martin, because I was reading up a little bit before, and I understand how Game of Thrones came out of this, but he had already started writing wild cards and he was a good two, three books in before he switched over and did Game of Thrones, which I thought was interesting because wild cards was supposed to be his go-to series. The other thing is that I'm watching this and I love Lord of the Rings and I love anything fantasy wise, but this really, really reminded me of Dragonlance, the book series. And I'm like, huh, this is basically a real life Dragonlance come to life. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for Tasselhoff Burfoot to show up. I mean, it, it is that interesting to me. So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool because it's, it's got every fantasy trope and it's got every fantasy. It's like when I was listening to the book one on audiobook, I literally started a little note on my notepad while I was working, listening, going, okay, elf, click, this, click, click, <laughs> click. You know, as, as, as the book went on, I was ticking off and I'm like, oh, this is mm-hmm. awesome because it's got everything there. You can take off everything. You have a knight, you have mm-hmm. yep. sorceress, yep. you have yep. princess. Well, you haven't had the princess yet. All they're all coming. They're all there. And I'm sitting, the barbarian, yeah. right? You have, yep. you have them all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even some of the names. Uh, one of the main characters, and her name is Egwene, and it sounds like Egwene to me. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Here's some. Here's some more. It's like. We know this with fantasy. All fantasy, in some way, they tie they tie into each other. You know, they borrow from here, or they kind of get their inspiration. So, it's it's fun to see and kind of pick those things out. You know, but like I said, there was a lot Guinevere. of Guinevere. Mm-hmm. is Guinevere. Yeah, yeah. As far as the yeah, Rand Althor, author. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
So they are, they are there. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the actual episode. So from what I understand and just a little bit of the things that I heard, you know, going to Dragon Con, um, I believe they they had they used to actually have a Wheel of Time track at Dragon Con, didn't they? Yes. And they kind of phased yes. it out, um, you know, or or merged it. They combined them all into the um, high fantasy, high fantasy. Um, track. Yeah. yeah. So um one of the things that I've heard about this show that is very different that had people talking is the fact that this cast is hugely, hugely diverse. And of course, not having read the books, I wouldn't know that. But just watching the show and seeing like it's, it's a literal rainbow on my screen and I love it because you've got people of all types there and I really feel like this is one of those shows that really truly reflects the world as it is and I mean I'm not talking about you have your token black here and your token black there like it really is a mixed racially diverse cast you've got Asians in here you've got people of color in here it it's really diverse you have a mixed I think the actress that plays the actress that plays Gwen I think she's aborigine Mm. If I'm not okay. Mistaken. I could be wrong on that, but it, it, you're right. I think it's fantastic because when you read the book, race doesn't have anything to do with it, but it's clear that all the characters are white. Mm-hmm. Even when you get to characters that could be argued um, later that are characters of color, they they still come off as being white. Right. So just like what we talked about with um, Shadow and Bone. Shadow mm-hmm. and Bone. It, it doesn't hurt to make it a diverse cast right and it's sad that there are people who are fans of the book who look at this and it's like well they don't look like i how i imagine them well of course they don't right <laughs> look like what we imagine mm-hmm. yeah but the other thing too we, is you know whereas with shadow and bone we do see a little bit of that racist element because you know um alina's character is discriminated against because of what she looks like you don't really see that in the show at least i i think right now we're five episodes in and i've watched all five episodes you don't see any hint of any kind of racial anything in this show nothing not even just the racial there's also you have lgbt representation in this show as well and it's so refreshing to watch these people exist in a world where none of those things mattered. Like there's nothing really pointing out or making a big deal of it. Like they talk about the fact that these two guys, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but you know, the warders are bonded to their Aes Sedai. And from what I gather with the show, that means bonded in any way and every way if possible. So that means that they may have a familial bond or they could have a sexual bond. And it's not anything that's necessarily um, frowned upon right. or looked at weirdly. It's just right. it, yeah. it just kind of exists. And even with the two warders, they both serve the same Aes Sedai. But it's clear, it's clear that those two guys are together, that they are lovers or I don't know if they do like marriage in the traditional sense in this show. Um, I don't think we've really seen that that much here, except for maybe Perrin. But with the Aes Sedai, you know, they have their warders and 
the bond with the Isodai and the waters is so close that they can feel what the other person is going through, which I think is really, really interesting. But again, you have these two men who are clearly together. You know, they, um, I, th- I don't know if it's in this episode. I think it's in a uh, couple of episodes later, but you kind of see them bonding over fire and they're clearly together you know one sitting the other one sitting on the ground in between his legs and somebody's playing with somebody's hair and they're just having a conversation it's very natural it's not like anything that's hyper focused on it's not something that's mentioned there's no mention of yeah well you know we're different and it's nothing it's just like so natural and then when their eyes to die is like you know, hey guys, they get up and they're like, okay, we got to go to work. And, and, um, uh, Nanave asked the question, she was like, do all three of them and the other people, they just looking like maybe. And, (laughs) but it was just, you know, and like I said, I know we're getting ahead with that one. I just wanted to kind of bring that up because it's so refreshing to see the diversity and the inclusion and it not be made a big deal of it's like a natural part of this story and I really love it because I feel like that's the way it should be like of course we're talking about it because in our world equality is something we are still fighting for um and even the fact that this show went with a diverse cast and people are complaining about it because that's not how they imagine them it is a little bit you know a part of the reason why I'm pointing this out in the first place it's just like in the show, it's just whatever, and I but, love it. But see, what what happens though when you take race out of the equation, all the other things become the discrimination. Like being from the two rivers, you're treated differently because you're from the two rivers. That's true. I sedai mm-hmm. or persecuted against because your eyes sedai. When we meet the tinkers, they're also being persecuted against because they're tinkers. Mm-hmm. So, it, it you basically understand that a lot of the discrimination doesn't necessarily have to be about race within the show itself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but you're right though. It's it's refreshing to be able to watch this and race not be the factor. Like right. It's that maybe the trolley about it. Th- their race is is you know we can kill them all day long. <laughs> the trollocs. So. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get we'll get to the trolleys. But um, but one of the things I love is like the main characters of the show. So the show starts out with Moraine, who is one of the Aes Sedai. She is actually looking for um, a certain person who may be the dragon reborn. And she comes to this town and it turns out that there are according to her, four people who fit that description. They're all born around the time that the dragon reborn, well, the dragon should have been reborn, which was about 20, between 20 and 24 years ago. So you have these characters, you have Rand Althor, you have Egwene, you have Perrin, and you have um, Matt. And they are all around the same age. They are all very close. They're best friends. It's very evident from the beginning of the show. But you know, Egwene and Perrin are not your standard white characters. You know, they are people of color. Egwene and Ran have this long going relationship. Like they've been apparently in love with each other since they were children. And um, 
you know, they happen to be singled out by Moraine when all of this comes to a head because of the fact that they may be the dragon reborn. So that was interesting as well. And then you have, um, you have land, I think his name is land that um, Moraine's warder and he's Asian. Yeah. So again, it's like, you have all of these, um, you have all of these diverse characters who are in positions of importance and power. And it's very refreshing to see, especially in a fantasy show, because a lot of times um, our characters are kind of just there as the sidekicks or they're there kind of in the background, you know, but um, let's talk about these characters. So I mentioned the four, uh, you have Rand, you have Egwene, you have Perrin and Matt. Question about Perrin's character. So I've, uh, I've heard that in the books, Perrin's character was not married. Is that true? True. He was not married. Okay. Okay. So it was kind of weird because one of the complaints that I heard and knowing or finding out later that he wasn't married in the books, it kind of made that, that thought kind of wonder for me as well. So they made him married in the show. And what happens during the course of the show is as Moraine comes to this town and she's trying to figure out who the dragon reborn is, there is an attack by this group called the Trollocs and they are like I they're like the orcs of this show you know they're like these um they're this really ugly race of people and basically what they do is they come in and they slaughter the town and we find out that they're slaughtering the town because they are also looking for the person who may be the dragon reborn now I'm not exactly sure what the deal is with that i know that there is another figure that kind of sort of looks like voldemort in this show that controls the trollocs that's a merdral yeah that's a who a merdral but he's also called a fade okay oh okay so he's a fade okay he's a fade okay so basically so he so he can be named he's not someone who should not be right you can actually name him yeah so so again with the comparisons this person, he looks like Voldemort. And the fades, um, from what I saw in episode four, I believe it was, they kind of look like Dementors to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. okay, there you go. Yeah. They're, they're, the field, they're the field generals. They control the Trollocs. Okay. So basically what happens is the Trollocs come to the, they come to the town and they just start slaughtering everybody. And during this fight, Perrin and his wife, who, um, you know, Perrin is young. He has this young wife. They look very much in love. They are blacksmiths in the town. So they create the weapons. So when they're attacked by the Trollocs, they run to their shop. They pick up weapons and they start fighting the Trollocs. And I mean, they are holding their own against these Trollocs, which is impressive because these Trollocs are very strong. They're very powerful. And like I say, they start cutting people down in the town, like with the quickness. So what happens is they're both fighting these Trollocs. Perrin is on one side. And I think his wife's name was Layla Mm -hmm. was on another side. And they're both fighting these Trollocs with like spears and axes. Um, Perrin actually has this really huge ax that he's using. So he cuts into one Trolloc and he hears something behind him and he swings thinking he's about to take out another Trolloc 
And instead he plants the axe into the side of his wife. And so he kills her by accident. And one of the things I heard, you know, people complaining about online, they were like, why, what was the whole purpose in even giving him a wife if they were just going to kill her off in the first episode? And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? Like from his story in the book and what you see on screen, as far as his journey, what we see so far, did him having a wife or what happened with the wife? Because I know with the wife, he has this sense of guilt and it, it leads into a depression. And then like certain things, a couple of episodes later, he feels like whatever happens to him should happen because he deserves it. But does him having a wife in this show change anything about the trajectory of his character from what it was in the books? Mm, okay. I can't really answer that question. Okay. But I will say he has, um, <laughs> I'm going to be doing some mental gymnastics here. <laughs> so, there you go. Like, in how the book, can I answer Perrin, this and not yeah, answer it? Perrin has a lot of internal dialogue. Okay. With his character. He, he's not a communicator. Okay. With other people. He, he, this actor does a really good job of that. He doesn't speak a lot. Um, a lot of Perrin's motivations and how he feels is all internal okay so they can't it's gonna it would be very hard to try to explain why he's such a brooding depressed you know dark introspective character if he's not talking to nobody so to set him up that way they give him this a wife a pregnant wife Oh, she her. was. Not, oh, that's right. She was. Right. And oh, that, that just made me sad all over again. Right into the deep depression, the dark, brooding parent that we all know and love, because that's basically how he is in the book. It's just now, people who don't watch, who don't know the books, we have something to hang our hat on about. This explains everything about him, like okay. why he's the way he is. Okay. Except for that one big, big thing that happens to him. Yeah. Wait a minute, Lori. Are you you gonna you gonna actually be Lori? We are not doing that. (laughs) I I, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) You know, so I'm being quiet. I'm letting Nancy take the lead. I just get put my two cents in every once in a while. Yeah, but that whole that whole scene with Perrin and his wife was so freaking heartbreaking. Like, like you said, he did a good job of like emoting with his face. Like when he saw he did it, like his face was just like, 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 oh my God, what have I done? I literally yelled out when that happened. I was like, oh no, like I didn't even like, we didn't even really know her character much. And I know that her character doesn't have a big part to play in the story, except for, I guess, how it motivates him. But just what I saw of these characters in the first episode you know you see these characters you see their bond you get to learn a little bit more of their personality like you know that for Perrin his wife was everything to him and his friendships as well with Matt you see that Matt has these two parents who are they're trash parents okay they are like garbage heap parents like dad is a womanizer openly flirting with other women in the town while mom is sitting there watching him like literally he's doing this in her face and she's sitting there watching him and calling him names and I'm just sitting here looking at them like so obviously this is a small town this is one of those towns where everybody knows everybody where you all grew up 
with each other and your grandparents probably also knew each other and grew up with each other. So everybody knows that these are his parents, that they are together, that they are married or bonded or whatever the case is. This dude is openly flirting with a woman in the town, in the middle of the town square while his wife is there. And she's so busy looking at him and being pissed off. They've left their younger two daughters at home just by themselves. And it becomes very clear in the show that these two girls are Matt's whole world. Like he loves his little sisters and he takes care of them. So you get to see that, you know, um, there's this, I guess it's like a little celebration that they do in the town where, or maybe Bill time. It's called yeah, Bill time. Where it's not a necessarily a celebration, but it's basically like a, a way to honor their dad and to. Um, well, Bill, Bill time is like, it's the celebration of the beginning of spring. Okay. And what, is it the beginning of spring or in the spring? I can't remember. But part of that is um, sending off prayers for the person that you lost or loved to be spun back into the wheel. life. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, I guess there's this thing that they do. It's kind of like they, they buy lanterns and they release the lanterns mm-hmm. or they light the lanterns. And Matt really couldn't afford to get any for his sister. So of course he, he steals from one of the uh, women in the town. He steals a bracelet and sells it to this guy so that he can buy lanterns for his little sister, uh, his little sisters. And that was one of the things I was like, okay, the way that he had to do that, I'm frowning upon because you shouldn't be stealing, but. You sound like the book readers, like they made Matt a thief he's a thief but he has a heart of gold like he really loves his sisters and i like that about his character with um rand and Egwene, like we said we noticed that they have been pining over each other since uh childhood and it's obvious that they are together in the show but the conflict with them comes in the fact that (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're obviously together obviously you think yeah they had little booty call during the first part of the show that's the other thing they they aged everybody up from the book oh okay okay um there was a a sexual relationship between um rand and okay yeah okay they were they were teenagers okay Okay, but um, the thing with them is Egwene, we see her at the beginning and it looks like she is being, um, she is being part of a ritual. It, and it almost looks like a coming of age ritual, but basically what's happening is um, she is being tested. Is, is that the proper thing? She's being tested to see if, um, if she is, I don't know, strong enough or can be chosen to be Nynaeve's apprentice. And it's, uh, what is it that they call her? A winder or a, a, a wisdom. A wisdom. And. Well, the, the, they sort of, the, there's a couple of things happening. She's now old enough at 20 to join the women's circle. So she's old okay. enough to be married and, and do all that good stuff. Okay. Um, being a wisdom or Nani's apprentice is something different. Mm-hmm. Like that's something in addition to being in the, in the okay. circle. Okay. And that's what we learn Rand gets pissed off about later because she's like, I want to become a wisdom. Well, she can't get married. Yeah. 
I was going to say that. And, you know, I don't think he was... Okay, one of the things that impressed me about the episode when, when they have the conversation, because she, you know, Nynaeve asked her to become her apprentice. And you can see, obviously, that that has some kind of, like, deep impact on her. We don't know what it is immediately until she gets back to the town after her after her initiation or uh, the ceremony. This is a ceremony. Okay, after her ceremony, and she comes back to the um, tavern and she starts working and she avoids Rand. And it's very obvious that something is not right because at first when I looked at it, I was like, oh, is this one of those, oh, he's pining for her and she's not paying attention. Then you realize they actually are in a relationship and she was avoiding him because I guess of what she felt like she needed to tell him. So she, they have a conversation about her being asked to be Nynaeve's apprentice. And after this is, of course, after they've slept together and he kind of storms off. And in the morning, he's out on this mountainside and she goes to him and they actually sit and have like a mature conversation, which I was impressed with because these are young people and Yes, when she first told him, he was upset and kind of stormed off, but it was never in a, it wasn't in the way that you see in a lot of young, young adult relationships on TV nowadays, especially like regular um, non-magical relationships or whatever, like those relationships are always very codependent, very toxic, very, um, it's it's in that way where people think that somebody owes them something and when that person doesn't do what they what they feel like there's like always this drama and it's like you got to see them to sit down have a conversation they talked about the things that they wanted as kids and then when she says I'm gonna go ahead and be a wisdom he says I know and he puts his arm around her and she cries and he's just there holding her like, okay, I know this is your decision. And even though this decision means that we can't be together, that we won't have children together, we won't be married. It was just a very different way for them to handle that conversation. And I was really kind of impressed because I really thought that it was one of those things where he was like, well, we've talked about this all these years and how could you do this to me? There was none of that. And I was so impressed. I was like, what? Also, there are reasons they need to put that relationship behind them. I'm just uh, going to oh, leave. Okay. Leave. Look, okay, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I kind of figured that might be the case too, but still, when you think about the fact that they have been pretty much, you know, all over each other since children, like yeah. there's a because conversation. In, in the two rivers, in the two rivers, from a very young age, they pretty much start pairing the kids up. Like mm-hmm. they know, kind of know who's going to marry who. Right. And and they've always known pretty much that they were going to be together. And, and that's why Rand got it upset initially because she was going to be his wife yeah and it seems like um you know how we see it with certain shows characters storylines or whatever it always seems like those kinds of marriages are arranged but it didn't seem like that in this instance because when rand is walking with his father who 
again, one of those mental things we talked about this talking with Hawkeye, like I had to take myself out of a moment from another show because this dude was Roose Bolton in the Game of Thrones. He is the whole reason why House Stark started falling because he was the one that kind of helped orchestrate the Red Wedding. So I had to see her like, why is he in this show? I was and why is he him. being so nice? And why right. is he so respectful? And I'm like, I was oh my God, fully no, not him Bruce. to be a bad guy. And then <laughs> he's having this conversation with these young men, and it's a real nice conversation. Just his whole appearance in this first episode, I was like, I like him as a father figure. This is weird, but nice. But you know, they're having the conversation as they're approaching the town. And he tells Rand, he said, I remember when you used to pick, I think it was you used to pick berries and save them for Egwene and I was like oh that's so cute but again it was one of those things where I felt like that was the story telling us okay this relationship was not one of those they're arranged you know they're betrothed to each other because that's what the parents did it's like they clearly chose each other so I think that makes her decision even more important the fact that They've known this since they were kids, that they were going to be together. And, you know, when they have the conversation, Rand says, you know, I always imagined our children running in these fields and running in these mountains the same way I do as a kid. And you can see her breaking down like, this is what I wanted too. But now, you know, now that she's grown or now that she's older, her needs or her wants have changed. That doesn't mean she doesn't still want him and want that life, but it's kind of one of those things where she realizes that there's something more important than that little story or that little fantasy or that little thing that she had as a kid. And I thought that was really important because a lot of times you don't see female characters being able to make those decisions. It's like whenever you see them, whenever you see them in shows like this, it's always one of those they're supposed to be the wife they're supposed to be the mother I mean it's, it's basically a societal norm like women are supposed to be the wives we're supposed to be the caretakers we're supposed to be the homemakers we're supposed to be the ones who take care of the children and here you see a young girl who is clearly making the choice for herself that okay this is not all I'm supposed to be let me go do something else and even though she has to sacrifice the person that she loves to do this she stands firm in that decision. And even though it hurts him, he supports her in that decision. And I thought that was so important to see in the show, even in um, later episodes, when they have a conversation, yes, he is upset about it. He feels hurt about it. And he lets her know that he feels hurt about it. But, you know, she gets to the point where she was like, I know that you hate me, but if you could just at least look at me, it'll be okay. This is something that we would expect to hear from like broken relationships now. And he just says, he looks at her and he was like, I could never hate you. And then they kind of go back to fixing what they can of the friendship that's still there. I felt like that was so important to show in this show. And I don't know if that's what what happens in the books, but the fact that we're seeing it on screen and seeing like, people taking a breakup, people this young, let me, let me stress, people this young, taking that kind of breakup and being mature about it and able to talk about it. And even though I don't want, I don't really agree with this decision because it, it kind of destroys what I thought I, you know, what I was going to do with my life, but I'm still going to support you and what you want to do that coming from a male to a female 
I was just sitting there watching like, wow, can we get more of this in shows and in stories involving young people? Because we don't see that enough. So much of the stuff that we see with young adult relationships in media. And I mean, even in real life, like I said, you have that codependent, that that thing where if somebody does something that's not to the benefit of the other person, there's a lot of drama, there's a lot of tension and all this other stuff. And this is what we need to see more of, you know? Yeah. Uh, so is this, is, this a, is this a YA novel or is it just a fantasy novel? Just fantasy. It's just a fantasy. But it, okay. it, it starts out like that, like why. Um, right. One of the things I want to say is back to your thing about the arranged marriages. Mm-hmm. It's not that they arranged marriages. It's just their belief system about the will and how everything kind of happens for a reason and mm-hmm. things, you know, th- things happen again and again that sometimes they just feel that two people are going to be together. Mm-hmm. So they don't fight it. So it's not okay. like they arranged that Egwene and Ram, but they can see that they kind of liked each other. And so no one was like, oh, they can't be together or keep them separate or know someone else. No, they kind of look like, oh, okay, that's cute. We'll just see where this goes. But that's what I'm saying. Right. That's what I like about this because that's what you're supposed to. Well, okay. <laughs> Taking into account that the whole reason marriage exists in the first place is because that's what fathers you know, fathers used to give their daughters as property to a man as a business transaction, okay? Oh, and to legitimize so, children. Yes, that. Yes. So thinking about it in that sense, okay, the arranged marriage thing, that's that's how marriages started. But if you are thinking about it in 2021 or whenever this story takes place or the way that I think it should be, people should be able to choose who they marry and not have it assigned to them. And if these kids knew, or even if the parents could see, okay, there's something going on there. Like you said, they just let it happen naturally. Like, okay, if they're going to be together, they're going to be together. If not, then, oh, well. But is it, it, what, it doesn't seem like it was one of those things where the parents were forcing them to be together. Like you can see it in the show. These two characters clearly love each other. And as a result of that, you know, especially them being from a small town, like the parents got along together, even with Matt and parents, parents, you know, them speaking about them. It's like, they look out for each other. It's the way neighborhoods used to be, you know, the whole, it takes a village to raise a child. Like everybody knew what the other families were doing, or, you know, if your mom wasn't home, we're going to watch you and we're going to take care of you just as if you are our own child you kind of see a little bit of that in these stories, you know, even um, later on when they're on the road after they've had to leave the town, you know, Matt is worried about his sisters because he's had to leave his sisters with these two dipstick of parents that, you know, that he has. And parents says to him, you know, he was like, the girls will be all right. You know, my parents will check in on him. Egwene's parents will check in on him. They'll be fine. And you don't, you know, again, that's, that's another thing you, you don't see that a lot nowadays. And, and, it's, and it's just refreshing to see it. And you have the scene where Nynaeve goes to Perrin and, and says, Layla is probably by herself. You should go check on her. You know, mm-hmm. and he leaves. Who, who, who can do that now? Like, can someone walk up to you and tell you, you can go to your wife? Get out my business and block. <laughs> right. Right. 
So yeah, I, I like that. And it is just, there was a, there were a lot of things about this first episode watching it that made me say, okay, you know what? I will continue to watch this show because there's just, there's a lot of, we watch a lot of TV on the show and we have, you know, even though we love the shows and we love the characters, you can clearly see issues with things, how they're being portrayed. Shadow and Bone is one of them. You know, we've had the whole uh, Darkling and Alina or Mal and Alina debate as far as what's healthy, what's not, and how they portray those relationships. So again, it's really nice to see something different. Like you see these two people, like obviously again, these are young people. They're like 20 or in their early 20s. Perrin was already married and getting ready to have a child. And he looked very happy about it. Like, you know, you see all these little memes or you see things about when people are getting married. They're like, oh, you know what? Um, just put the shackle on me now. You know, it's like people look at marriage in such a negative light nowadays. And, um, you know, just to see something a little bit different that's refreshing not saying that you know the whole institution of marriage I'm, I'm divorced so having gone through that experience of what I went through with for 16 years and coming out of it and what I had to deal with coming out of it I've changed my perspective on marriage a lot especially seeing some relationships that are not great relationships toxic relationships but the people continue to stay together and then I see relationships like yours and like Mike's and like Lori's where you guys are clearly happy with your spouses you have fun together and it's a healthy relationship I don't think we see enough of that nowadays you know the the healthy side of the relationships and so I like the fact that we get to see this in this show not just with the kids or I'm calling them kids they're 20 somethings but you know not just with Randon and Egwene but you see, um, you see parents, uh, I mean, uh, Egwene's parents, you know, together, you see that, uh, Rand's father, apparently his mother has passed, but his father still has a lot of love for his mother. When he talks about her, he talks about her with a lot of love and respect and they light the lantern for her, you know, so that her soul will find its way back to the will. It's just a lot of that that I'm liking about this series. Now, I know that's probably going to change as conflict starts to get introduced. But just for that first episode, it was just refreshing. It was a very feel good episode for me, even with all the stuff that happened at the end with the Trollocs and everything. It was still just building the relationships with the characters and seeing that it was it was very refreshing for me. If the show tracks like the books do, a lot of it is about relationships between men and women. Okay. It's, it's a lot about um, familiar relationships. It's a lot about platonic relationships, romantic relationships. The, the, whole, the foundation of the series is about reconciling the conflict between men and women. Mm -hmm. He goes all the way back to the male and the female eyes to die and their mm -hmm. conflict. And, and that's what the, the whole series is, is almost like he built it on that foundation of this is what you can do when you have positive relationships between mm -hmm. the sexes. So it may, that may sound kind of sexist. And, and I do like how 
in the beginning, they seem to be trying to write it a little bit differently mm-hmm. by showing you the same sex relationships and implying others. But it, it, a lot of it, the core of the book series has a lot to do with that relationship between Sidine and Sidar, the male and the female side of the one power. Okay. Okay. Now, the other relationship I want to talk about is Moraine and Lance, because that is Aes Sedai and her warder. And it's very clear in this first episode, like she is the, she is the one in charge. She's the Aes Sedai. She's the one that's powerful. But he is also powerful in his own way, even if he doesn't wield the magic. You know what I'm saying? When they have to, when they get ready to fight the Trollocs because they're in the town, the Trollocs have, you know, come, they're attacking, they're killing people. She starts fighting them with her magic, with the one power. And as the Trollocs are trying to take her down, here comes Lan with his sword and his fighting is amazing but it's almost like every time they tried to go to her I don't know if it was just that he was feeling whatever she was feeling like okay they're coming at me and he could kind of sense it but that dude was slicing them down left and right like I was very impressed by his fighting and also just the way that they that they interact with each other because even though it's clear that she is clearly um, the dominant personality in this, you know, in this partnership, in this relationship, in this bond that they have, like clearly the way that they, that they establish it, it looks like the Aes Sedai are the superiors and the, the warders are kind of like they're, um, they're submissives, you know, it's kind of like a role reversal but it's not in that way. Shut up, Anthony. I wasn't meaning it. Anthony, that way. come but on, man. You been always think the same thing. You can't be. I was <laughs> trying to think of different words so that our minds wouldn't go there. But I mean, thinking about it, like in okay, all well, stories, okay. without without <laughs> without giving too much away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you want to know more about the Aes Sedai and the bond they have with the Warders. Yes, I do. You do. Yes. Okay, so before we get into that, can we talk about, okay, Mike, can we talk about Rosamond mm-hmm. Pike? How she just walks yep. into that room and she owns everybody. Owns it. owns it. Like literally, literally she she owns every, any room she walks in is her room. Like it doesn't matter. Like everybody, it's literally, literally a climax moment because everybody, like the men all pause, the women all pause, everybody pauses when she walks in. It's just like, and she was just, I mean, even when her, when Lynn walked in, they were, everybody kind of paused too. They were like, you know, when he, introduced, when he took his hood off and introduced himself and said, I'm Lynn and this is, her, and introduced her. And as soon as she walked in, everybody was like, oh shit. Like their reputation precedes them so much that it's just like if they know who, that you're one of them, they're just like, oh, okay, cool, hey, uh, whatever you need, I got you, yeah, um, I'll get your horses, I'll get you, I'll get your bags, I got you, let's go up, up here, whatever you need, right this way. Because wasn't yeah. it that she walked in and and was only introduced by her first name, and then I think it was Egwene's mom who was uh who I guess they own that tavern and she said Moraine I Moraine Sadai. Moraine Sadai. Yeah she mm-hmm. saw her ring. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and all Aes Sedai wear a ring with their color Aja stone in it. Mm-hmm. She saw it and she immediately knew who she was. Yeah. And um, and you give them the respect they deserve. But yeah, she walked in and everybody was like, Shh. Right. Okay, I have a question about the ring. Now, do they do they need the rings to focus their focus their powers or can they do it without the ring? In the books, they don't need the ring. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know if that's because, because it kind of seemed like even in the beginning with the fire type or whatever the one in the red coat, like when she when she killed fire the type. guy, like right there in in, in it looked like she was like falling like clenching her fists with the ring on it, like she was like dri- like she was deriving power from it. So I was just wondering if there was like if they need if that was absolutely necessary for them to. I'm I'm like you. I was thinking that. Because later there's a scene between Marine and Wayne where she is trying to get her to focus. And I'm thinking, because this is not from, I'm thinking it's going to be a part of what they want to do in the show to help okay. viewers understand how they're focusing their powers. Okay. But you'll see later that it does, you don't need a ring to do it. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah. I'm going to say no, they don't need the ring. Okay. Um, it right, may cool. be part of, the training it may be part of how they're going to do it in the show learning how to focus your powers and then you just keep it but it's not they don't need it to do it okay um so the the Aes Sedai and you'll hear this later when people talk to Aes Sedai they will say their first name as Sedai mm-hmm. that's just the way they're addressed so the the bond between the warder and the Aes Sedai so the bond started right after the breaking when they needed to be protected because the regular common folk didn't know who was breaking the world. Okay. They just knew someone, people who could channel were ripping shit up. And so a lot of Aes Sedai realized we need guys, warriors who could protect us. Okay. So they started bonding the strong warriors to protect them. Okay. Now, a lot of times it was against their will. Mm, okay. And once you're bonded, you must do everything the Aes Sedai ask you to do. Okay. They have no choice. Okay. So if Moraine tells Land to do something, whether or not he wants to do it is irrelevant. Okay. Now, she's not the type of person that would do that. I was going to say, it doesn't appear that they have that type of right. uh, relationship. Like, they seem very well in tune with each other, and they seem very protective and very respectful of each other. You can, right. you, so, I mean, even though Lan is one of those people, he doesn't say a lot. <laughs> you know, he's one of those quiet types, but it, it kind of like Rosamund Pike, he makes his presence known like right and them together like it's almost like when they converse with each other they really don't have to say a lot like i i feel like because of whatever that bond is that they can feel what what the other person is feeling it's almost like you're watching a silent conversation with them it's like they're speaking one thing like the part where um she was looking and he said do you know who it is and she was like no and then he just kind of looked at her it's almost like he felt 
what she was thinking. Like she said, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's one person. I think at that point she realized it might be more than one person that could channel, you know, and I don't know if she can feel the one power or their potential in that person, but the way that they spoke to each other is kind of like, okay, they're having one conversation with their lips. And then it's almost like with their eyes and their minds, they're having a whole different conversation, but they are always in sync. At least, you know, in this first episode, they, they seem to move as one, like she's doing something over here and he's doing something over here, but they're protecting each other at the same time. And their movements are very complementary to each other. Yeah, it a lot of that really it comes from yeah, come from experience because he's an experienced warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, benefits of the bond: they feel each other's emotions, um, they feel each other's pain. Mm-hmm. Um, with the word, they wash each other's backs in the hot tubs. I mean, yeah, well, that 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 too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, the warder, if he's already a superb warrior like Lan is, mm-hmm. he basically through the bomb becomes like Captain America. He has increased stamina, increased strength, increased speed, increased healing. And he's gonna stay this way until he dies of old age. Okay. Like he even when he's an old man, he'll still be just as strong and fast and as powerful as he is now. Oh, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Now that that's how it is in the books. Um okay. There's some other stuff I could tell you, but there might be too much. But yes, men can be bonded against their will. And it's not, and you can have warders and it does, you can bond anyone. Mm-hmm. It's just that they chose to bond um, men who could protect them. Okay. Um, she bonded land for a reason. And, um, but we'll learn more about that later. Okay. Now, the other thing that I noticed, um, in regards to Moraine, and I can't remember what the um, the red Aja, I, can, uh, I can't remember what her name is, the blonde chick at the beginning. Lalandra? Yes, yes. Now, I noticed she, the, and, and let me ask this question also about the other episodes that we've seen. The reds don't have warders correct so they do not. like they are they are their own it's it's kind of like they're their own warrior group and i get the feeling that they um are not particularly appreciative of men like they they're the no, ones not. that that hate men or something no, she, close she had all kinds of di- I, she had all I, kinds I wouldn't, of disdain for them. I wouldn't the, the dude she killed yeah it's more disdain for men as, as opposed to hate if you okay. can see the difference Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they understand the necessity of men but men who can channel are a problem okay and reds want to take care of that problem right so yeah yeah because it's like because she, she was she was talking about him like almost like since he like when he has the magic flowing through him she she's acting like he was getting the magic dirty like like she's like you're getting it filthy it's yeah like, like he was painting it's a it. gift and you're getting it filthy yeah, it was already like, tainted. damn <laughs> And, well, and the Reds don't believe that men should channel. They they believe that the one power is only from women. Okay, that's where my confusion was coming in because that's why I thought that's what the the actual thing was with them because I remember her saying that. So I was like, 
Oh, so the women are the only ones that's supposed to have it. So when you said something about male acidi, that's why I was like, huh? So three thousand years, a lot, a lot of things can change. That's true. That is true. But and, and a lot of things stay the same too, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> unfortunately. So. But yeah, so yeah, the reds, if you're a common man and you're a dude and you're not channeling, you don't channel, you can't channel, they don't have a problem with you. Okay. But if you're a man and you can channel your problem and you need to be taken care of so let me ask you this question uh if you can answer it what are for each aja with the color associated what is their designation like red's military red is not military oh well they, they, they really do like militant though they do militant the military fire nation water nation no. nation, nation. <laughs> here we go again yeah <laughs> Which Grisha are you today? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, if you can't answer, that's um, fine. But I, I, I was, think I'm I just can kidding. answer it and it not be a spoiler because we we haven't. Okay. It's, all right. So we've seen the red. You see Moraine is blue. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Blues are. Hmm, think, I think think of the blues is like CIA. Okay. No one really knows where they're up to. They're just off doing their own thing. Okay. They can be gone from the tower for years, and oh, okay. and no one know what they're up to. And the, but, the tower is where the Aes Sedai reside. Yes, the White mm-hmm. Tower. The White um, Tower. Um, mm-hmm. Tarvalon. Okay. Which interesting, you if you look up a map of Tarvalon, mm-hmm. have you seen what the map looks like? No. <laughs> what does it look like? No, just. Okay, I'll go. If you have a chance, go look. Okay. Um, I I haven't seen it, but I have a good idea what it might look like. So, uh, okay. So, blue, think of the blues as like the CIA. Um, Reds, they're your militant group. They don't, blues usually just have one water. Well, they always have one water. Mm -hmm. Reds don't have waters. They are your militant um, men who channel should be stilled, gentled, or killed. Um, then you have your green sisters. They are the battle Aja. That's your okay. military. They're the ones okay. that will have three, four, five, six warders <laughs> for Damn. various purposes. Um, they will have one sometimes who's usually a badass. Mm-hmm. But they're the ones that, that got their, um, made their bones during the battle during one of the first battles. Okay. Um, green. Um, then there's the brown. We haven't made any brown yet. I think we've seen a yellow. I think that, yeah, I think that's in one of the later episodes. One of the later so episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the brown, they're into knowledge. I always think of the browns as like monks. <laughs> because okay. all they're really concerned about is knowledge. Um, then you have the green a green yellow yellow are the healers okay um green yellow white they are into um philosophy okay and then the gray aja are pretty much trying to make sure everyone is okay they look for consensus they try to balance everything out they're the uh, okay okay I was going to say, are they the people pleasers? But no. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, 
Here's another question that I have. Um, because again, we talked about this, this trollic attack on all the villages and everything. And Rand and his father, they are, they live up the mountain. So I don't think they're part of the village, but also not a part of the village. Am I correct in that? No, they're part of they're part of the village, but he's like a they're shepherd, he's like a shepherd. Okay. So they live in the mountains. So um one of the Trollocs comes to their cabin and attacks them. Is there any significance? So when when they start fighting, his father pulls out weapons from like up under the bed from hiding, like almost like they were never meant to see the light of day again. But he pulls these out. He knew what the Trollocs were. And he's fighting these Trollocs like he's fought them before. And one of the things that happens is he pulls out a sword. And when he pulls the sword out, the camera very specifically focuses on, I think it looks like a heron on the hilt of the sword. Is mm-hmm. that something that's going to be important later on? Because they don't really reference it again in the first, like I said, four or five episodes that are already out. But is that going to mm-hmm. be something important later on? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I need to know. Okay. Okay. Um, the other thing is while the Trollocs are attacking um, the village and everything, Nynaeve is carried off by one. Nynaeve. 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 Mm-hmm. She is carried off by one. And, um, you know, Egwene witnesses this and you know she's trying to help everyone else like I said they are cutting down people in the village luckily her parents both seem to survive Matt and his folks survive and um, the sisters like we said Perrin unfortunately he survives but he accidentally kills his wife in the process and then um while Rand's father is fighting the Trolloc, he basically tells Rand to leave. He's like, go, go, go. You have to leave. And I felt like, okay, so whatever happens at towards the end when Moraine says, you, you know, um, one of you four might be able to channel and this, that, and the other, I felt like his dad already knew that because he was so intent on you go, you go, save yourself, get out of here. Um and I mean, they, they were able to kill the Trolloc and he, you know, he got his father to the village um, for assistance to help heal him because he did get injured during this fight. But when Moraine tells them, okay, you guys have to come with me. The Trollocs were here for you. It could be one of you four. Some One of the four of you can channel ma- magic or channel the one power. You have to, we have to leave immediately because if not, the Trollocs are going to follow us. And then literally you can see in the distance, all of these little fire lights coming down from the mountain. And it's supposedly hundreds and hundreds of Trollocs coming to the village again after these, you know, kids, I keep saying kids, but, you know, so at the end of the episode, they get on horses and they have to leave the village and they go with Moraine and land. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I felt like his dad knew that that was going to happen or was anticipating that something like that can happen. And then again, like I said, he got into the fight. They showcased the little, you know, the little symbol on the um, sword. And I was like, okay, there's more to his story, which I hope we'll find out. But of course, um, you know, five episodes in, we don't go back to the two rivers. So 
I don't know what's going on with dad or if we'll see dad again to find out more about that story. But I just thought that was really interesting. Like, why are they focusing on this little bird on the hill? Hmm. Okay. No comment. But, huh? No comment. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a part of the House of Heron. I mean, <laughs> Anthony did say something about houses no. in this, so... No. Anthony, I'm not saying it, but what I'm thinking about a certain person's father, may I be correct in thinking that that may be something that we might have guessed? Is that vague enough? <laughs> Wait, uh, that was re- that was really vague. That was so very vague. Sure. Anthony is like, okay, okay, there, there, okay. There's, there's, there's. Let's just say that 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 maybe someone's so who has a sword from their father. Their father may have had another wife before the village. Is that is I mean, that's, that's what I'm that's what I'm from, thinking from the yeah. way that, the way that they kind of shot that whole scene with okay, him fighting it that's almost not, obvious right not knowing not knowing if, if i'm looking at it and pretending that i don't know i'll be like wait a second he's supposed to be just a shepherder he's sitting there he's he's if he right. was younger he would have cut that trolley down easily right almost the same way well, that land was doing it right Right. That's what I was trying well, not to. Well, ask. I mean, I, I think that's one of those things where you see it on screen, and right? Kind of make it yeah. obvious. Okay, okay. I'll just say, was Tam a warder? To answering that question with with, okay, you know what? No, spoil. he wasn't a warder. That's not a spoil. Okay, he wasn't a warder. All right, so so he's the other. He's the other. But I got my answer. <laughs> I'm done. Um, you know, okay, that when I go to edit this for the actual podcast, you know I'm cutting all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it, I guess I, I, now my, my <laughs> thing is this. I, I've read the first book, and first of all, them getting from the cottage to the village took three and a half hours in the audiobook. Seriously. It, it literally took three hours to go from the cabin to the village to deliver yeah, the brandy. I'm sitting there, there going, half the like day is gone. several pages of him talking about shooting oh my God. and focusing oh God. on the flame. It's, so that's going to be pages that yes, I can skip then. through when I start reading the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the, and the brandy and the cottage and him and Tam and, and they're and walking. walking. And they're walking. And <laughs> I think I oh, fell so asleep. Oh, Hallow's part part what part one yes okay yes oh yeah oh yeah but but what was what was i guess what i'm saying is that like it like we said earlier you could just tick off a list of things because well i'm not going to say it. there's well, another part well, he, I'll ask later, he also but, isn't the only one because remember that neve is not from the two rivers right okay. right now her i kind of got it yeah because she's from um Essence Field, and they're in Essence Field, but that yes, she's not. She's not from the Two Rivers. Yes, I, I got I got that part, which again, but there's something going on with that too, which I haven't got to yet, but I have an idea. So my so my thing is, is that all right? We we get that Tam is probably not originally a sheep herder, not the most exciting career, but hey, someone's got to. That's do not it. necessarily true because so, he could have grown up wanting to be a sheep herder. Went and had, but it's odd, yeah. I was gonna say it's obvious he, because he knows how to be a sheep herder, so he, he came back to be a sheep herder. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's obvious that he knows how to do it. I'm just 
um, anyway, I'm just saying, uh, there's a reason why I didn't take over my uncle's farm because I didn't want to be a farmer. <laughs> but my, my thing is, is that um, I, 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 well, uh, I'm going to be quiet. Because <laughs> I have a question I can't ask it. You can ask the question. That doesn't mean you can answer it. it. No, don't let her ask the question. Because oh, then no, Mike and I no, will start our gears will start turning and we'll be like, hmm. Yeah, no, no. I was just curious about Tam because I I I think I know where that might go, but that's but my other question about the whole thing is that uh that whole discussion that they have at the beginning of the book, which they don't really show in the in the episode where they're discussing, you know, news of of events happening in other villages and the whole thing with the mayor and all of that does any part of these books do they ever uh go back to the two rivers or is it once they're gone they're gone that would be a spoiler okay yeah okay okay i think i'm trying to think there was one other question that i had and i can't think of it so i'll think of it later i'll think of it later but yeah um as far as uh is it Tan or Tam? Tam. Okay, Tam. Tam. Yeah, it's obvious that um, he he Bilbo Baggins somewhere in his life. Like he went on some kind of little adventure. And I don't know, I guess I kind of feel like with the way that he pulled his weapons out, like I said, it almost felt like he was hiding the weapons because when he pulled them out and started fighting, Ram was looking at him like, what the f- where, where the hell did this come from? So mm-hmm. I feel like, whatever he was doing in his life where he needed those weapons like he probably came back to his village because he was hiding from something or he was running away from something or he was he was putting some part of his life in the rearview mirror so to speak saying okay you know what that part of my life is gone I'm not I'm not gonna touch that again but of course when you have those types of people or those types of stories where they may have gone they may have you know, been some kind of warrior or whatever, even though they they come back and they put that part of themselves away, it's always there just in case, you know, because like I said, when the Trolloc showed up in the, um, in his house, I'm not going to say that he was surprised, but I'm not going to say he wasn't surprised either. You know, it's kind of like, oh, the trolley is here. Oh, okay, let me get this. Let me start fighting because it's like he fell into that real quick. He didn't have time to blink. He didn't have time to think about it. He didn't, it's like he automatically went into battle mode. Like this is something he's used to, you know, because most people- We've seen this in another character and something else we watched, but it wasn't that he was- thinking something was going to happen or expecting it was eventually it's just he's been trained in such a way that he can turn it on in an instant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily he was expecting trollocs to come it's just that oh there's a trolloc i know what to do right you know i mean it's more that muscle memory that that sort of thing where he just goes into calm mode um and and he turns it on yeah it's kind Mm -hmm. of like again if if he is used to fighting or if he has been used to fighting once that danger comes in or once that you know whatever that conflict is it's almost like 
he was able to spring into action without thinking about it. Whereas somebody else like a parent or a Rand or a Matt or someone like that, when they first started getting attacked, like um, Egwene was dancing with someone. And what happened was while they were dancing, he just all of a sudden, <clears throat> because he had a spear that was thrown into his chest from behind. And she's sitting there looking at this spear and it's almost like it wasn't comprehend, like she wasn't comprehending that the person in front of her had literally just been killed by this spear that's poking out of his chest. And it took a, it took a minute for her mind to catch up with what was going on. Because by this point, trollics are coming from everywhere. People are screaming before she realized, oh shit, we're being attacked. And Tam didn't have any of that kind of reaction, any of that kind of shock. It's like, trollic, oh, okay. Let me start whooping some ass. And that's what he starts doing. So I thought that was interesting as well. Cause I was like, yeah, there's a story. There's a story with him, you know? Um, But the other thing that we see in in this episode during this Trolloc battle, um, and that I will say, Moraine, of course, is fighting. You know, and she's fighting. She's using the one power to fight these trollocs. She's bringing down houses. She's throwing bricks out of the walls and she gets stabbed with one of the spears and um, Lan takes it out and she continues to fight. But what happens is when Rand brings his father to the village um, to be healed, she's able to heal the father, but she's still hurt. And this is something we learn later on. Um, I think a couple of episodes from now, um, I said, I can't heal themselves. They can heal other people, but they can't heal themselves. And it was, it's weird too, because thinking about what we just discussed about Tam, he was kind of sort of out of it when Rand brought him to the village. And as soon as Moraine healed him and he opened his eyes, he looked at her and then the camera panned to Rand, like he's making this connection. And that's why I felt like, okay, he knows something else about whatever this is because he's just looking at Moraine almost like, oh, it's that time. And I was like, what does he know? And I know you can't say anything if he knows anything, but it was just one of those things. The camera work here really gives you something to think about the way that they kind of pan onto the characters at certain moments. It's like, if you weren't thinking about it, it could be just random, but like specifically, especially with him, the sigil on the hilt, the very pointed way he's looking at Moraine. I was like, and then he looks at his son. I'm like, yeah, he knows something. He knows something because when she starts talking to them saying that, you know, the dark, the dark one is coming and only one of you will be able to stand against him. And she's talking to all of them and she's telling them, they have to leave. It's almost like you don't you don't get the reactions of the parents, but it's like the fact that all of you know those four they get up and they leave so that they can save this village. Again, I felt I felt like Rand's father knew something about what was going on. So I don't know. It's gonna be interesting though because. You have these four kids, like she says, you've lived in these mountains for too long, pretending that the lives, you know, pretending that what happens outside in the world doesn't affect you. 
Iguin's mom. Iguin's mom says as much early earlier. She's mm-hmm. like, wars are what fought by fools with fools over foolish things, mm-hmm. and wars are happening all the time. And we don't we don't worry about that stuff. Yeah, no, the, we can't have this now. Yeah, it's like they're very sheltered. Like mm-hmm. this corner of the world is their only corner because none of them even knew what a trollic was. You know, like I said, Tam obviously knew because he knew how to fight them and he he handled himself very well. I think if he wasn't worried about Rand, he probably could have killed that Trolloc with no problem. But yeah. you've got they had heard of Trollocs. They have yeah. heard of Trollocs. They've never seen them. They they they're they're myth. You know, they're these creatures that they use to scare their kids. It would kind of be like if a dragon showed up all of a sudden for us, and we'd be like, wait, um, those really exist? Yeah. So, but um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this first episode. Like, really enjoyed it. I wasn't too sure about it because again, I didn't know much about it. I just knew this the book series was popular. I knew a lot of people read them. Like I said, um, one of my old mentors has been trying to get me to read it for years. And again, just there, there's so much out there. Like it's on my to be to be read fi- uh, file. You know, it's in that stack of books that us book hoarders always have. And I just hadn't gotten around to it. So then when I heard that they were doing the show, I was like, okay, well, I probably watched the show first because as book readers, we know whenever they adapt something from a book series, is never the way we read it. And I felt like I didn't want to go into the show and be one of those people, oh, that's not how it happened in the book. And that's not how it was like in the book. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna leave the books alone for now. Let me see how this first season is and how they do it. And then I may go in and read the books. But um, my question for you, Anthony, so far, how does it rate? as an adaptation like are they sticking close to the books with what you um what you know so far like how how far have you have you watched all five episodes so far yes okay so how does it rank to you without spoiling anything how does it rank as an adaptation for you i think they've okay as a person who really really likes the books Mm -hmm. and and knows a great deal about it i will say there were some things that i kind of questioned like the decisions Mm -hmm. but if i'm being perfectly honest if you're watching it and not having ever read the books i can see how people should actually enjoy it i mean i don't really find anything wrong with it as an adaptation the thing is the books what happens in the books is very hard to adapt Mm -hmm. and they've tried before and it just has never worked out okay because it's really difficult to do Perrin is the most difficult thing you have to deal with because he is such a major character, mm-hmm. but you really can't adapt his st- storyline to a TV show. It would it would basically have to be a TV show just about him in order for you to understand wow. what happens. Okay. okay. Um, it, it, I think it's a really good ad- adaptation. Okay. Um, I know why the book readers have issues with it, and I think a lot of it is veiled racism okay. <laughs> to be honest with you mm-hmm. because all I hear most of the time is oh they don't look like how I thought they would look or I think this person could have played them and then they do these lists of this is how I should have I would have cast it and it's yeah a bunch of white people okay 
and oh, fancy that. Yeah, imagine that. So, <laughs> as far as I understand, why they made some of the decisions they made. Perrin having a wife and killing her, that helps explain his character down the line. Okay, that's going to be very important for him. Okay. Um, aging them up and having a, a sexual relationship between um, Rand and Egwene is going to be important down the line. Okay. Um, because there's some things that that have to happen for the two of them to get where they need to be. Okay. And it will make it so much easier to understand their relationship okay. and how other people are not going to understand their relationship. But we will understand their relationship. Okay. 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 Um, the other thing that I want to talk about, and this doesn't have to do with the actual show per se, is that intro. The intro with the weaving of the threads and the drawing of the Aes Sedai, the, um, what do you call them? The Ajas? The Ajas. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That is it. It's very captivating. It's kind of like, I think I felt watching this intro the same way I did watching the Westworld intro for the first time. Mm -hmm. It was just so beautiful. And I just sat there like, it took me a minute to realize that they were actually weaving. It was just the way the colors and, and, and the way that they drew the women and how it, the tapestry, it was just really beautiful. And I was just like sitting there watching this like mouth open, like, oh my God, this is one of the prettiest things I've ever seen in the intro. It was gorgeous. But yeah, that's all I want to say about it. It was, it's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very beautifully created intro. And not only that, um, I like the look of the show, you know, for it being, for it being fantasy, it's a little bit, it's a little bit darker towards the beginning than I expected. Um, now it is darker but, than, than the books. The books oh, are, okay. Are, okay. are not this dark. Okay. There's a lot, there's a lot of lightheartedness in the books. Okay. Um, isn't that right, Lori? The books, okay, when I first started listening to the audiobook, I immediately stopped it, looked at it, and I was like, oh my God, who made Dungeons and Dragons and put it into book form? I mean, you know, from the old cartoon series, that's how it sounds yeah, okay. on audio. It's like, hello, villager, how are you today? Oh, well, we must not upset farmer so-and-so because we're going to the festival today. I mean, that's literally kind of how it yeah, sounds. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very lighthearted. Okay. Um, well, not very lighthearted. It has a lot of lightheartedness in it, and you don't really get that in the show. Right. right. It's it's very dark. <laughs> and and I see that they've gone to Game of Thrones dark with this. Like they've mm-hmm. gone more mature, you know, more graphic. Right. Um, just darker, and we'll see if this pays off. I think I think it's gonna help get that audience the the people who still want more game of thrones okay it's going to get that audience and they're just going to say to hell with the book readers <laughs> we don't really just forget you guys y'all be all right i mean the showrunner claims to be a big fan of the books and a lot of this he's trying to do some justice to it and to try to keep the spirit okay. of the novels and and try to help explain a lot of things um 
we'll talk later about this last episode because there's a scene at the end where people like that character would never do that well eh, i can make argument that he would okay no what i know about him in the books yeah we gotta talk about yeah we're (laughs) gonna have to hurry up and catch up because that okay we won't yeah, let's not let's not go there. We have any final thoughts on this first episode? No, Mike hasn't had. I want to hear what Mike has to say. He hasn't said a whole lot. I'm I, look. This is this this is basically how I was in Discovery of Witches. It's like I'm basically listening to you guys and catching up on my own. So this is like, I really like this. Um, shout out to to Eg- Egwin's mom, like roughly shoving her off the cliff instead of like Egwene. you know just like Egwene Egwene's mom just going like yeet and like yeeting her off the cliff I was like yo damn like it was really abrupt I knew I, I was like well there's really no other way she could do it like she kind of has to get in the water so it's like but I mean she literally yeeted a, yeeted life and limb out of her <laughs> um also shout out to all the insurance adjusters who are going to have going to be like what the hell happened to this building after after what's her name threw every brick at all those trollocs i was like i i I could if i was what's her name's if i was if i was her mom i would have been like that's my pub like like, those don't throw something from the blacksmith shop like throw something from there i was just wondering i was like is everyone out of there while she's throwing bricks from the buildings like is everyone out because you know some people ran into some of the buildings uh for shelter from the trollocs so i was like okay i hope she's not accidentally killing people while she's trying to save people Right, it's just yeah, which which make which shows that she's a typical superhero because she saves the day, and but she creates all kinds of damage around her, so she's just like Superman. So yeah, good job. Except they don't have a slush fund to cover all of that. <laughs> right, there's, yeah, there, yeah, there's no Bruce Wayne to help cover all that. Maybe there's yeah, I I really like this. I'm into it. I'm i I can't wait to see what comes up next. Because I'm I'm a little behind you guys, but once I but I'm really anxious to kind of get caught up and see what see what's going on with get it. caught up because like, I'm gonna tell you episodes four and five. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen five yet. I've seen four, but I'm excited to see it. It's good. And um, um how many the, episodes is this show? Is this a ten episode arc? Um, that's a good question. I think it's eight. Okay, I think it's gonna be eight. Okay, because this is a um, an Amazon series. It's either eight so. or ten. Okay, okay. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, the only thing I will say, I'm going to be fair because I did this with Shadow and Bone. Sometimes vocabulary, languages, words can be a little um, off-putting, and I know what the words mean and I know what their significance is. Mm-hmm. For example, Tiviran. She says, oh, we're going to go to the two rivers because there are four Tavirin there. One of them might be the dragon reborn. Mm -hmm. So we never hear about Tavirin again. We never hear that term again. So there are five, right? Because Nynaeve would be one, but she's not Tavirin. But then she goes and talks. We can't talk about that yet because they don't talk. We don't find that out until. No, well. That, that was in this episode when Maureen went and talked to her when she was washing the stones. Nynaeve mm-hmm. was washing the thing and she was trying to figure out how old she was. Mm-hmm. 
because right now the the Matt Perrin, Rand, and Egwene are all twenty. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve is twenty five. Mm-hmm. She's too old, just like the guy in the beginning that the Red Sisters oh, caught. Yeah. Okay, he was mm-hmm. too old, so they know it's not her. That's why she was focusing on the four Tavirin, but they don't explain what Tavirin are. Okay, and five episodes in, they still haven't. So why even use the term in the beginning anyway? To appease yeah. y'all book fans. <laughs> and I know the whole purpose of the naive the naive scene is because Moraine didn't have any information on her. Okay. So when she got there and she saw, oh, this young lady is a wisdom, I wonder how old she is. Okay. So that's why she was poking her. That's what Blue Sisters do. She started poking her for information. So you okay. got your braid. She's like, I got my braid five years. Oh, so you're 25. So yeah. So okay. I know she knew how old she was. Okay. Now um I'm looking online in the background. So apparently they have already been renewed for season two. Yes. Okay. There are nine episodes in this series in this run. Okay. Nine. Okay. 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 My thing is, as far as reading the book series uh, as compared to the book, uh, the TV series, I actually went to buy the first book a few weeks ago, and I found out that through my Audible and my obsessive book buying that I actually had the first four books of the series. I don't remember buying them, but I got them. My thing is, that's that's how I am. I'll find a whole series going, oh, I didn't know I had that. Uh, but the thing is, is that in my defense, in the early 90s, I was one of those rabid feminist science fiction fantasy writers where I refused to read anything written by men. It was all Mercedes Lackley, Andre Norton, you know, all of that, right? So I wouldn't read any male writers for a good 15 years. So I didn't read it, not read it on purpose. I just didn't read it because it wasn't what I was wanting to read at the time. But I am kicking myself because just like Game of Thrones, I wish I would have read these when they came out because I think I would have been a little bit more obsessive uh, than than I than I am now. I mean, I'm getting into it, and everyone knows we're not kidding ourselves. You guys both know that by the end of say January, I've read I would right. have read all the mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. So you know, but my thing is is that I did myself a disservice. But I really like the series. It's just my only nitpick is that like most great series, you gotta like Mazalon and all that. Born, you got to really go through the really slow bits to get to the good parts. So that's what I'm hating okay. right now. Okay. Um, I do want to make this note before we close out. So I'm looking at some of the cast that they have added for season two. You know exactly what I'm about to say, don't you, Anthony? So our boy Domenico from A Discovery of Witches is going to be in season two of this show. <laughs> what? Oh. I saw that. I was like, Oh, Lord, she's going to lose her mind. (laughs) I just sat here and looked at him. I'm like, because the photo that they have on this article that I'm looking at in the background, I'm looking at a Deadline article. He doesn't look as tan as he does in A Discovery of Witches because in Discovery of Witches, he's a little bit, his skin tone is a little bit darker, like he's been sitting in the sun forever. In this picture, he's a little bit more pale. So I was looking at him, I'm like, that looks like Domenico. So I look him up and I'm like, yep. Cause I, I never knew the actor's name and I'm, I'm not even going to try to butcher his, his last name because it's, <laughs> it's quite long, but yeah. So 
he's going to be in the show. So I'm like, yay, I get to look at his face for at least another year. So that's awesome. But um, any final thoughts on episode one of Wheel of Time? Um, Shout out to the women's circle who slaughtered a trollic with pitchforks during the battle yeah. i thought that was awesome that was kind of awesome showing you the the strength and resolve of, of the two women. rivers yes. folk. Yeah. <laughs> women really do get this done yes <laughs> they really do and on that note that's it for our show you can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com we are on social media on facebook instagram and twitter at phantom hybrid you can listen to the phantom hybrid podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. Bye.